everybody. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, episode 17, submission 223, Mystery Diners. Mystery Diners aired on the Food Network from May 20th, 2012 to April 27th, 2016 for 142 episodes, and it ran 11 seasons. Tonight, on a special episode of Mystery Diners... You're gonna steal from me. Look at me in my face. We take a look back at the worst thieves we've ever busted. Whether it's stolen food... He's taking everything out of my restaurant. He's taking everything. Alcohol. This is a nightmare. Supplies. Are you kidding me? Those parts belong to me. Or money. These sticky-fingered employees have cost their restaurants millions in dollars. I cannot believe this is happening right now. We're counting down the top ten most brazen acts of theft we've ever caught on video. I can't take it anymore. I want to go over there right now. I want to go over there right now. This is Mystery Diners. Millions gone missing. Now, guys, you may be wondering, why are we covering this obscure show that ran 11 seasons and ran for 142 episodes on, of all, all things, the Food Network? And you may be asking Greg, yourself, why are we doing that? Yeah, why the heck are we asking? Why the heck are we asking ourselves this? Why are we covering this show, Mystery Diners? Well, folks, got to tell you something. Two months ago, I was searching on the internet. This was when we were we were oh, just no. on this podcast. We were just on this podcast, and I'm on YouTube, and I see on this this sidebar this thumbnail for a YouTube video from the YouTuber Ralph the Movie Maker, and it said Mystery Diners, worst show on TV. And I thought to myself, that's a bit hyperbolic. The worst show on TV. I have to see this for myself. I watched the 26-minute video of Ralph the Movie Maker talking about Mystery Diners and how bad it was. It was so amazing. I had to tell Mike and Chico this. I told Mike and Chico, guys, guys, look at this. Watch this. Look at this show. We have to cover this on the podcast. And sure enough, eventually, after much digging and finding we were able to get access to every episode of this show. And let me tell you, folks, you need to discover this show. You need <laughs> to watch this. This may be the greatest thing that has ever aired on television. And again, greatest in a schadenfreude type of way. Our joy it's from their, their pain, their agony. It's the kind of show that you would watch ironically. No, really. Let's discuss what Mystery Diners is, shall we? Well, we can't discuss Mystery Diners without first discussing a man by the name of... Jeez. Oh, <laughs> he can't do it with a string of teeth. I, I love it. But we're not even five minutes in, and Chico can't even say the name of the host without cracking up. That's how funny this is. Charles Stiles. His name was Charles no. Style. Guys, guys, oh, sorry. guys, guys. His name, oh, sorry. Sorry, Greg. What was it? It's Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. <laughs> <laughs> and, no joke. That's how, he in, that's how he introduces himself to everybody. Is Charles there a supercut of this? Is there a supercut of him introducing himself? 
I, I feel like there should be a supercut. I, I think it's on Ralph the Movie Maker's video. <sighs> was it, Greg? I mean, maybe yes, not necessarily a supercut, but there. I, I swore I've seen somewhere there's a supercut of, of opens. Yes. So yeah, the, the show's posted by Charles Styles Mystery Diners, and he, he just sort of has this. How would you describe it? Almost like boringness in his voice, lackadaisicalness. I mean, he's very bland. I mean, it, it's it, he shows like no enthusiasm, and he sounds like he's saying the same thing over and over, the same inflections, the same tone. Charles Styles Mystery Diners. Hi, Charles Styles Mystery Diners. Charles Styles Mystery Diners. There, there's like no variation. No, there is not. It's just the same delivery. Over and over and over again. Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. Well, I mean, that's a common theme in all the episodes because, I mean, it really doesn't deviate from the same plan for each episode. We meet the owners of the different eating establishments being featured, one per episode. And so we find out, like, the backstory. Oh, I, you know, started this after I retired or I inherited it from my parents or what have you. And then, you know, we find out what the issue is. Oh, my employees are stealing behind my back. Uh, I think that my chef is stealing food and uh, doing catering on the side. We think there's cheating going on at trivia night. And those are all episodes of this show, which I know we're going to cover probably each of those different scenarios uh, in this episode. And then after they figure out the problem, then <laughs> we sort of get like the, the breakdown of how Charles Stiles and the Mystery Diners crew like loaded the restaurant or the establishment up with cameras. There's four cameras in the kitchen. There's two cameras in the bathroom. There's three cameras in the, the employee lounge. There's five cameras outside. And we've got a drone hovering outside. And yeah, it's it just, you know, it's there's a lot of cameras. There's a yeah, lot of cameras and a lot of they cover like every location. Oh, we, we, we even have seven cameras outside where they take their cigarette breaks. Don't really there's need to know that. But that's why I said it. Yeah, there's two cameras in the bathroom. It, 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 it's, it, it, they did get rid of that in later episodes. But yeah, in early, I say early episodes, the first seven seasons of episodes, they broke down where all the cameras were and, yeah, you know, oh, and there's some outside and there's some on the patio and there's some, you know, uh, behind the bar. Yeah, it was a laundry list of, of cameras. I don't know why we need to know how many cameras there are. I don't know why how many cameras, but I think the location of the cameras is integral. Um, actually, it's integral, but also at the same time, it really isn't because, spoiler, most of this show is faked and badly. I mean, th this isn't like reality TV. This is like heavily scripted and bad acting. But we'll get to that in a moment. So after we get the whole breakdown of where the cameras are and what's being monitored, then we see the, the, the infractions in action. 
We see you know, somebody overpouring alcohol. We see somebody you know, s- slipping a side of beef down their pants. Nice, giggity. No. Uh, <laughs> but but we, we see what's going on. What's, what is the reason Charles Stiles is there? And usually every episode, there's at least two, maybe three reasons they're there. Because somebody's stealing um, tips or somebody's taking money off of, out of somebody's pocketbook or wallet or... There's always a couple of devious things going on. And then we get to the first break. Then they come back and, oh, okay, you know, we, oh, my gosh, we just saw, you know, uh, this person, you know, sneezing on the food or whatever. Whatever infraction is happening. And the best part is, whenever something like that happens, Charles Styles, Mystery Diner, says to the person, like, for example, oh, she, this uh, Wind is sneezing on the food. Is this a common problem here? <laughs> or like, what? It's, oh, it's like, Winda just threw her nose into that hamburger bun. Is that common for your employees to sneeze their nose at the hamburger bun? Like, I don't know, Charles. What do you think? Is it common for Charles Styles Mystery Diners to say is it common to do something? Oh, yeah, that's also what we're calling him this entire episode. Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners. Yeah, he's not Charles Stiles. We're, we're not calling him Charles Stiles. Maybe he gets called that in everyday life. But no, around here, he's Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners. But then another infraction comes up. And that basically fills the, the second half of, of the second part of the show. The second segment, I should say, of the show. And then we get resolution for that. And then what happens after that? The owner wants to go outside and confront these people. And, you know, Charles Styles says, not right. I'm sorry. Charles Styles Mystery Diners says, not right now. We've got more to show you. Or, or something in that vein. But then, a- after seeing more, the, the proverbial poop has hit the fan. Here goes the owner. I want to get at him. I want to you know, see their faces when they see what we figured out. Okay, let's go get them. Let's bring them back here. Now, the, the thing that you need to realize is back here is either a storage room or some room uh, that isn't used on the premises or it's some property adjacent or nearby where the restaurant is. And they deck this out how would you describe it? It, it? It's like flat screen TVs everywhere and they've got blueprints on the board with the suspects and they've got, uh, it looks like a combination of like something you might see in like some sci-fi thing, like star Wars or star Trek, the, the monitors on the screen or whatever. Plus also your, uh, the, uh, the pin board you'd see on like FBI shows or conspiracy shows. The only thing that was missing is the yarn connecting everything together. And the thing is, every reaction when they go back, when the owners go back to this station, this this um, where, where they're watching everything going on, oh my gosh, look at all the amazing technology in here. Holy crap. <clears throat> it's like, it's a flat screen TV, guys. It's pictures of the uh, people you're accusing and pictures of the mystery diners who are going to come in and 
and they're going to play certain roles. Some of them there are occasionally customers or diners. Some of them are sometimes employees. Some of them pose as delivery men. Some of them pose as, let's say, shut-ins who are being delivered like meals on wheels types of, of uh, food. So then, uh, yeah, the, the uh, accused come back with the owner of the restaurant and Charles Stiles is sort of standing there like a stern teacher with arms akimbo and, oh my gosh, what is this? And then, boom! Show uh, part Charles of the evidence Stiles. on the video. Boom! Show some more evidence. Boom! Show some more, not necessarily boom, but they, 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 they do, yeah, like two or three shots of the video or, or clips of the video that shows them in uh, the process being caught in the act. And generally after that, it's, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's fake. No, we see it on camera. Okay, please don't fire me. If you want me to reimburse the company or if you, yeah, if you really have a heart, give me a second chance. But what happens every time? Well, Billy, uh, I, I think you're a good guy. You know, you, you've been nice to my family. You're dating my daughter, but I can't have you around here. You're fired. And then the look of shock. Oh, my gosh, I got fired. Oh. And then after, you know, uh, the, the owner gives thanks to Charles Stiles Mystery Diners for the hard work he did. Then we get the traditional update. Four months after we taped, Billy's still looking for work. Surprise, surprise. And everything at the OK Cafe has gotten back to normal. Really? And the thing is, it's never, uh, you know, business at the OK Cafe is worse than ever. It's always, it's better than it ever was. You see, Mike, it's all thanks to Charles Styles, but Mr. Diners is 200 hidden cameras. He magically made the restaurant better. And the best part is, Charles Stiles Mystery Diners, after uh, the, the restaurant owner has fired the employee, is always like, you know, you know, Jimmy, you have a great restaurant here and people really like this food. I can see why people really will love this restaurant and why you'll not have any problems ever again. Oh, and also, hey, Charles Stiles Mystery Diners, you want a burger? <laughs> Do you want wings? <laughs> Let's go have a beer. Charles Stiles Mystery Diners got so much free food from this, the, well, this show. It, it's, well, here's the thing. It's on Food Network. Of course, you're going to spend five or ten minutes on the food because it's the Food Network, and that's what people tune in for. I, I don't think throughout the entire course of the series they spent more than ten minutes on the food. Well, I mean, they, they, they talk about their, uh, you know, what, what the specialty of the house is. But they wouldn't a, get into recipes. It was just, oh, well, we're known for our brisket. Or we're known for our onion rings. It, it wasn't like, okay, well, here's how you make the onion rings. You get an onion, you make a batter with flour and, 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 and eggs and whatnot. No, no, there's none of that. It's just, oh, well, you know, we're known in the Tallahassee area for our, you know, oversized wings or, or you know, super spicy hamburger or something like that. Let's get into what we all came here to talk about. The details. Oh, well, the, oh, the, bad yeah. a, the bad acting. Oh, the, yeah, the, 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 the bad extra act extras, as we yeah, would call them. 
Yeah, the, the... they were extra, and they were extras. Hence, the extra extras. And, and some of the plots were, to say the least, outlandish. Bizarre is an understatement. Let's just say that. And I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. How did restaurants contact... And I'm not even, I shouldn't even say restaurants. How did different establishments contact Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners? Because you had art galleries, you had motels. You... I'm, willing to, I'm willing to wager that there was a finder's fee involved. Well, I'm just thinking it, it's sort of, well, more than scripted that, y yes, these are real scenarios, but, like, everything regarding the production is fake. Not unlike, say, court reenactment shows. Well, let's just, well, here's the thing about reality television, Mike. Most of it is, most of reality is incredibly scripted. Well, I get that, but, I mean, I if I do a search for Charles Stiles minus the Mystery Diners part, if I just do, I, uh, it's the one time this episode we're not going to say Charles Stiles Mystery Diners. If I was to do a search, for, and I did this, a search for Charles Stiles, there isn't like a business page that automatically opens up. There isn't like mysterydiners.com or .org or what have you. It just brings you to stuff regarding his show. And not, not even a production page. It's, it's like Wikipedia. It's like, you know, some of these fan links, uh, the YouTube links we talked uh, about earlier, Ralph, Ralph the Movie Maker. So how are companies getting a hold of him if he doesn't really have a legitimate presence online? And this is a show, like you said, that we've never heard of, really, until Greg stumbled upon this. If we'd ever heard of this show, how would random art gallery owner or random motel owner in, you know, Idaho or wherever, Northern California, how would they know about this show? But also, if you look at a number of the seasons, they focused on specific locations. One season was done just in Hawaii. One was done just in Las Vegas. Another, I believe, was done just in Florida, in Miami, or maybe Jacksonville or, 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 or Tampa. So you're telling me that there's that many businesses in Hawaii that watched Mystery Diners and said, I've got to call Charles Stiles to come over here and investigate what's going on at the Yacht Club. It just, it, it doesn't ring of, of reality in that sense, let alone, you know, the, the reality show, you know, thing you were talking about earlier. Well, it pro it's probably good publicity for the restaurant, though. They get on TV and stuff. Publicity is a two-way street. It, it could be good, but it could be bad. Uh, we'll get into some of that uh, stuff later on about how the about some of the restaurants and stuff. But yeah, th there's just so many outlandish scenarios. The acting is horrible, and I, I can't speak for how much Greg and and Chico have watched. I've watched a couple episodes. I'd have to get the gist of it at least. Okay, well, okay. I, I've seen, and I'm not even joking, probably about five to six seasons of shows. I've seen probably at least half of the shows, 
and I'm sure Greg probably tops that number. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen the same amount Mike has. Are there any episodes that stand out? Well, the first one I want to talk about is an episode from season eight. It's called Robbed Kebabs. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, I know what episode you're talking about. <gasps> okay. Gaff and Tiffany, the owners of Dar Salaam in Portland, Oregon, notice the discrepancy in supplies and fear an Iraqi food court that operates near the restaurant may be the culprit. Now, guys, how many times in your life have you seen an Iraqi food court nearby an Iraqi restaurant? Not, don't even think about Iraqi food court for a second. How many times in your life have you seen an Ara- a restaurant that serves Iraqi food? In Michigan? Well, oh, this was in Portland, Oregon, baby. Okay, never mind. Because if it was in Michigan, I could tell you, yeah, it was a, a lot of times, really. But There's a number of restaurants that uh, feature Middle Eastern food here, but I've never heard of any that are specifically Iraqi. It turns out they were right that an Iraqi food court near the restaurant was the culprit, as they found that the manager and the prep cook were supplying the court with their food, including a Dar Salaam exclusive dish called mashi. The problems are made worse when another prep cook is stealing onions for personal use. While the prep cook stealing the onions leaves in the middle of the sting, the manager and the other prep cook are confronted by the owners and Charles, and they are both fired. The narrator revealed that the former manager and prep cook found employment elsewhere. The other prep cook has also been terminated and is paid for the stolen onions. Well, that serves him right. It took onions to steal those onions. Wow. Did you come up with that just now or were you writing that down as we were talking about it? Oh, no, that was on the fly. I'm not not wise enough to to have done that ahead of time. For those of you who don't know, I participate in a lot of quiz nights. And uh, I may have been on a quiz show or two in my day. But anyway, uh, this one... I couldn't get enough of it. It was season four, episode 12. What a drag. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not laughing at the name. I know what episode he's talking about. Oh my gosh. This is, this is great. This, this is incredible. Bob, the owner of Venture Inn in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is hearing complaints from both his regular and cross-dressing customers that the weekly quiz night is rigged. By the way... That is completely frowned upon in Quiz Night, that it being rigged, all right? Uh, he suspects his manager is involved. The mystery diners discover that the manager, Joe, is not behind the rigging. Instead, it was the bartender who has stolen the answer sheets from the manager's office computer and giving them to a reigning drag queen champion named Bridget Jones via an earphone in her ear. When confronted by Bob for rigging the quiz night, the bartender is fired for being behind the scam and is to inform Bridget Jones to never return to the restaurant. In his exit interview, the former bartender said that his firing is messed up and Bob hired... Oh, <laughs> Okay. All right. Game base, Chica. Game base. Bob hired a dealer for <laughs> A dealer Sherlock Holmes to investigate the rigging of the trivia contest. The manager is spared when Bob realized he had nothing to do with the rigging. 
The narrator reveals that the former bartender has found employment elsewhere. Bridget Jones no longer attends Quiz Night, and the manager added a password on his computer. There's been a different winner each week. Now, I want to take that a bit further. Please take it a bit further. Yeah. So the quiz night they had, it, it cost, I believe, $20 to participate, either 10 or $20, and winner took all. And uh, this Bridget Jones won, I think it was like 10 weeks in a row, and I think the prize each week or the average prize was like $500, so... It's not an insignificant amount of money. It, you know, $5,000 for, you know, participating in this rigged quiz. And she gave the bartender, I think, um, I want to say 20% off the top or, or 10%, some sort of finder's fee. So both people profited. Yeah. And the way of the, the quiz itself that night, the, uh, the, the person, the mystery diner who participate in the quiz also got a copy of the questions being used with the answers and uh, one of the employees of Charles Stiles Mystery Diners who was acting as a like a waitress trainee she went into the computer which was not password protected by the way and printed out a copy of the answers gave them to Charles Stiles Mystery Diners, or whoever fed the answers through an earpiece to uh, this Mystery Diner that's participating in the quiz. So what ended up happening is obviously there's a 10-10 tie, 10 questions, 10 right answers. So there's a tiebreaker question, which Charles Stiles Mystery Diners doesn't know about, nor does uh, the bartender. So for all the, 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 the marbles, the question comes up and it, it was the question was the first issue of Playboy cost how much money? And the bartender's like, uh, oh, oh, the bartender is being um, was interrupted uh, because one of the other mystery diners was saying, you know, can you get me a, a, a whiskey or a beer? Can you give me a whiskey or a beer while this question's going on? So he didn't have enough time to Google it on his phone. But at the same time, the mystery diner didn't know the, uh, about the question either because he he wasn't expecting it. So you've got, I, I forget if it was Charles Styles Mystery Diners or somebody else, you know, quickly you know, trying to find the answer to the question. And I think the, uh, the, the mystery diner that answered it he was either given the answer at the last second or he guessed it and he guessed it right. And so he, he guessed it right in the nose, 50 cents. And I believe uh, Bridget answered, I think it was a dollar 25. And just the look on Bridget's face after losing the money. Ah, what? I lost. Huh? And, and then as, as uh, Chico mentioned about the dealers. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, just like everybody's in shock. How could this have gone down? Oh my gosh, you know, th this is a giant uh, th this was uh, set up. Oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah it, it went down like that. And, and the thing is, Ch Chico's done enough quizzes in his day that would never ever be tolerated and you would be 
essentially excommunicated from the quizzing community for that. Oh yeah. But people yeah, that, know, uh, people know you're a dirty, rotten cheater, and they will look at you like that. Yeah, that was that was one of the better episodes, and I've seen it happen in real time. Yeah, I'm sure that's not terribly fun. Uh, It'd probably be very shocking to say the least. But yeah, that was a great episode. That was a a good call, Chico. Any episodes stand out in your mind, Mike? One of the episodes that really stuck out in my mind was in season ten. Episode 9, called History Mystery. Uh, the owners of Old Vinings Inn in Vinings, Georgia, began, begins hearing rumors of unauthorized Civil War tours taking place inside his historical restaurant. What? The mystery diners go undercover. Don't tell me you've never seen this, Greg. I have not seen this. You need to see this. This, this is too good. The, the mystery diners go undercover and discover that one of his waiters is behind the whole scam with a friend of his who knows nothing about the Civil War. For example, saying the Civil War started in Atlanta when the first shot was fired at Fort Sumter in South Carolina. Or Which claiming, everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows that. That's, that's like History 101, especially in the South. Uh, or claiming that Abraham Lincoln was at the hotel when at the time it didn't exist. Uh, He's seen bringing packaged food uh, and ruining the wines by putting vinegar in them, as confirmed by Charles Private Investigator Elliot, who's familiar with Civil War history. The owner confronts the waiter and fires him on the spot. Before leaving, he tells the waiter to inform his friend that his Civil War tours are no longer welcome at his restaurant. The narrator didn't reveal what happened to the waiter afterwards, but he did mention that the owner was no longer having problems at his restaurant since the taping of the sting. Yeah, uh, the, the whole fake Civil War facts, the, the whole fake, I mean, everything regarding the, the, the Civil War tours w- was fake. And he had, uh, th- this person, this friend of the, the, uh, the hotel employee, had done a number of tours throughout the years, unbeknownst to the owner, for whatever reason, either out of town or just you know, kept out of the loop. And this guy was shoveling totally fake stuff down unsuspecting buyers' throats. And there were also claims that they served authentic Civil War food, or the recipes, rather, which, yeah, uh, I think it was debunked the whole putting vinegar in wine to make it last longer or whatever. People drank the wine and they spat it out immediately because it was rancid. Uh, And the food was not authentic Civil War recipes at all. Um, But also, like I said, uh, we mentioned the, uh, the Abraham Lincoln stayed at the hotel. Well, it goes beyond that. Abraham Lincoln used the bathroom or the outhouse at the hotel. And that was one of the big things on the tour. You see that outhouse over there? Abraham Lincoln used that outhouse. Oh, boy. That's not really something I need to know. Abraham Lincoln dropping a deuce in the outhouse. Uh, But yeah, it was just a whole bunch of like made-up lies. Uh, They were talking about 
I think they were talking about um, certain soldiers. Uh, don't remember his, if he was Union or Confederate. Stayed in like the the the, the basement of the hotel. That that's where they hid for days or something like that. Again, all of it is just so fake. And I think you could hear some of the people who are taking the tour sort of questioning the authenticity of the statements, especially the ones saying the first shot of the Civil War happened at that hotel when everybody in like eighth or ninth or tenth grade learned about Fort Sumter. It, it was a crazy episode. It, it's Greg, I gotta tell you, you definitely have to see that one. Okay. Well, I got another episode for you, Mike. Also from season ten, episode six, Hamburger Burglar. Oh, not this one. Okay. Oh boy. Yes, 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 yes. The owners of Latin House in Miami suspect that someone at their off-site warehouse is giving away the recipes to their award-winning hamburgers. The mystery diners go undercover and discover over their manager and delivery servicemen are actually behind this. They were caught selling their burgers and recipe to competing food trucks and making money on the side upon it being confirmed by Charles private investigator Elliot. The owners also become suspicious of male owner's mother named Chachi, who works at the warehouse as its manager and speaks Spanish, giving away a tray of burgers to a woman bawling Elliot's stakeout. When all three are confronted, the owners fire the manager and servicemen for their actions. Both men in their exit interview state that the owners didn't let them explain their actions, blaming it on Chachi for shouting at them in Spanish. When the female owner confronts Chachi, she explained in Spanish that the woman is from a local church and she was hosting a charity picnic, which the male co-owner translates for Charles. The narrator revealed that the former manager has moved away from Miami. The former delivery serviceman has found employment elsewhere. Chachi continues to forgive the owners for thinking she was a suspect while continuing to be a loyal worker. Yeah, th these burgers were very prized. That recipe, I, I mean, like everything else in the restaurant industry, if you have something that's really great, you don't want anybody getting a hold of the recipe. And so I, I definitely understand where the owners were coming from. But, yeah, I mean, that was like lack of communication between the mother, Chachi, and her, her son. Because, yeah, if there was some sort of special recipe burger, I wouldn't just be donating, you know, I think it, it was like five dozen burgers. It was like 60 burgers or, or I think two or three trays of burgers to this cause. And... He, donating is the key word. I don't think there's any money being uh, swapped. So he's losing money in the process or at least making donations that he doesn't know about. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, is this the episode that has the, um, the episode where the guy is, dri is driving a disables the truck with like one kick click of his MacBook Pro? It might be. I I, I know what I know what uh, incident you're talking about. Yeah, I don't look. know if it's this episode, but one thing we should add is starting in season eight, there was like an upgrade in technology talking about this uh, this uh, laptop where he could disable the uh, the vehicle's engine with one push of a button or one click of a mouse, and there's other technology which we're going to get to later. So you, you did see different, 
I use the word technologies very loosely, but yeah, the, pre- uh, the first seven seasons didn't have, you know, cars stalling after somebody hits a, a, a button or like super sensitive microphones. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of another episode I'm going to cover. I, I'll let Chico do his episode next, but I know which episode I want to talk about next uh, after Chico's done. Uh, and it has I, to do I, with I, the technology, and I think that Greg's Greg's going to know what I'm talking about when we get there. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah. I know my next episode. Well, my next episode is going to be a repeat offender, and this was from season. I want to say it was season nine. Yeah, it was season nine, where you had somebody who was busted by mystery diners. Working in New Orleans. Now, oh, this... I, I saw this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Busted the second time. Yes. Okay. Not you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Kara, uh, the owner of two New Orleans restaurants, Toast and Tuts and Tartan, is concerned about an unhealthy competition between them. With help from his private investigator, Patrick, Kara survives to find out. From Charles Styles Mystery Diners, that one of her waitresses from Toast is Dee Dee, who Charles Styles Mystery Diners previously busted in an earlier sting, as seen in All of the Family. When she, the manager of Toast, and the female manager of Tartan are confronted with Dee Dee remembering Charles Styles Mystery Diners, say it one more time, Greg. Charles Styles Mystery Diners. No, not you again. Oh, that was me who said that. Oh, say it again, Mike. Not you again! The female manager of Tartan is fired for her behavior, and the Toast manager is spared when he stated that the people who visited Toast wanted what was served at Tartan made. Dee Dee apologizes for not admitting she was previously fired, and is suspended while commenting that she did nothing wrong this time. In her defense, she didn't do anything wrong that time. She just wasn't really that forthcoming. The narrator revealed that the Tartan manager found employment elsewhere while still claiming that her actions were in the best interest of the restaurant. Dee Dee found a part-time job during her suspensions and has continued to repent for previous actions. So, yeah, people... If you Just when you think that people learn stuff from this show, you find... No, they don't, really. Yeah, this was an interesting episode for me because when uh, I didn't really realize that if an owner owns two different restaurants, and and, and I've never really worked in the restaurant business, but if an owner owns two different businesses, you can't say, hey, can you make me a blank like you uh, the the owner makes at whatever other restaurant? Because the, the two restaurants here... One was like a breakfast nook of some sort, and the other focused on French cuisine. So what happened is somebody called the French restaurant and said, hey, can you make, you know, eggs Benedict for me or, or, or something in that realm? Oh, sure, we'll get it done for you. Not a problem. It yeah. makes sense because the two restaurants wouldn't necessarily have the same food. I mean, obviously every restaurant has eggs. But would they have the other stuff that you make eggs Benedict with? Would you? Would they have the English muffins and the ham and the hollandaise sauce? I don't know about that, but 
I mean, now that I think about it, thinking about the restaurants around here, they're owned by uh, where an owner owns more than one restaurant. Yeah, I can't really go to Michael Simon's bar and say, hey, can I have one of your burgers like you serve at the B spot? Right. Just doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, that was sort of my takeaway. <laughs> but, this but has yeah, been another I mean, installment of Mike's Takeaway. That's actually a good name for a, a, a restaurant. Mike's Takeaway. That is a good name for a restaurant. Uh, I, I'm going to have to save that. That's If I ever get in the food business, I'm, I'm going to call it Mike's Takeaway. Uh, That'd be great all, all, for one of our t-shirts. And, 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 and also, I'm going to re- request th- uh, that somebody stop by the restaurant. Charles Salisbury Mystery Diners. <laughs> Season 2, Episode 1. The tipping point. After receiving numerous complaints from his staff that his recently promoted head waiter is not evenly distributing the pooled tips, the general manager of D Cache Restaurant in Toluca Lake, California, contacts Troll Styles Mystery Diners and the Mystery Diners to help him discover if there is any truth to the rumor. Charles sends in Destiny and Grant as a customer and a waiter where they discover that the head raider is telling customers the card system is down and pocketing the money. The waiter tries to set up Grant by stealing an entire bill payment, then asking Grant to fetch the bill. When confronted, the waiter tries to defend himself, saying the manager giving tips to people who haven't earned them is stealing. The manager doesn't buy it, though, and the waiter is fired for his actions. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this episode up is the general manager of the restaurant Kind of looks like the twin brother of Sam Darnold. That was my takeaway from this episode. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Well, now, I know Chico has seen more than his fair share of Bar Rescue episodes. Oh, I love Bar Rescue. I, I do, too. I don't watch as much as I used to, but uh, it, it's still a great show. How many times have we seen this scam happen on Bar Rescue Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't. Uh, the credit card machine is not working. You, we're gonna have to take cash. It's happened oh, on more than one occasion. I can tell you oh, that. Yeah. It's it's happened on multiple occasions. So yeah, it, it's like the biggest scam in the book. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I can't take your credit card for tips because the machine's down. You're gonna have to pay cash. Yeah. Well, my episode that that came to mind is from season ten. It is episode two, The Art Show Sting. Patricia, the curator of an art gallery in Los Angeles, notices discrepancies with the catering company that she uses to cater her art shows and believes they may be responsible for it. The mystery diners go undercover and discover big problems with the caterer's staff eating the food that is prepared for the guests. Gross. But wait, there's more. They also discover an even bigger problem with her assistant curator, Michael, who has been behind the discrepancies. He had been conducting some art scams with his friends by talking down on the other artists to help his struggling artist friend and stealing wines meant for the guests to drink to give to his friends. When Michael is confronted, Patricia fires him on the spot and also tells him that his friends are no longer welcome at her gallery shows. The narrator reveals that Michael was unsuccessful at curating his own art exhibits. Patricia has apologized to her caterer who has fired his troubling employees. It goes beyond the stolen wine. Uh, There was 
and I'm pretty sure this is it was in this episode because I don't think there are any other episodes that happened at an art show. One of the employees contaminated a dish that one of the mystery diners was going to eat. I don't know if it was coughed on, spit upon. I'm sorry for anybody who's eating now, but yeah, one of the 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 chefs spat on the food. Ew. And the guy had the food on his fork, put it up to his mouth, and like right in the last second, Charles Styles, Mystery Diner, says, Don't eat that food! <laughs> and he puts the food right back down slowly. Yeah, there's nothing suspicious. He's got the food right up to his mouth and then takes it right back down to his plate. And yeah, and then so, yeah, covertly, yeah, what's wrong with the food? Yeah. <laughs> And Charles Stiles says, you know, the, the chef did something really nasty to it. But also, I mentioned the technology earlier. There was a conversation that was being held in some sort of room. It may have been like a, I don't want to say a closet or a bedroom. It might have been a bedroom. So here comes the new technology. And how people don't notice this in an art gallery, in a showing, one of the mystery diners has like some high detection microphone that he slid under the door. How would people not notice, you know, this person like kneeling down at the door, sliding this microphone under the door, but also you, you had Charles Stiles mystery diners saying, yeah, move it fast. They're, they're ready to leave the room because there's cameras in the room. And he gets the microphone out just like at the last second. What are you doing at the door? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be serving food? What are you doing right here by the door? <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it's, it's not the first time uh, on an episode where just, you know, the mystery diner uh, or the undercover employee says something in their little microphone, their, their hidden lavalier microphone or what have you. But it's like, you know, if you're talking like to yourself while at a job, that would look kind of weird. Chico, you, uh, I got one, you, you I got one, one more. Okay. I have one more. It's also from season nine. It's the 100th episode of Mystery Diners. Deli Drama. The owner of Lenny's Deli in Los Angeles fears that his new head baker is taking artistic license with customer cake orders. He also mentioned that the head baker has had some bad employment at previous locations. The Mystery Diners are able to prove the head baker's actions. In addition, they discover that the elderly manager, and this is something that you know, he completely didn't know about until the mystery diners brought it up. That I mean, they knew about the diner taking artistic license and being really sensitive about it, but they didn't know that the elderly manager is conducting a bit of unauthorized shady deals, as confirmed by Charles Sty Charles Styles, mystery diners, and his private investigator Jr. During the confrontation, head baker is fired. And the owner says to the manager, you kept talking about retire early retirement. I suggest you take it. The narrator revealed that the former head baker has put up applications for a job, but 
still remains unemployed. The elderly manager has since apologized for his actions and has retired. The owner has recently promoted one of his more trusted bakers as head baker. Yeah, uh, so the, the artistic license with the, the customer cakes, she was, uh, th- there's a couple uh, of mystery diners posing as a soon-to-be-married couple, and they wanted to order their wedding cake. And they wanted a chocolate wedding cake, which is obviously untraditional. It's usually a white wedding cake. And she absolutely refused to do it. But wedding cakes are traditionally white. Well, we want ours to be chocolate for whatever reason. I, I don't remember the reason. But she was just vehemently, I'm not going to be doing this wedding cake unless it's, you know, a white wedding cake. And lo and behold, you know, like five or six days later, they come to pick up the cake. And they look at the cake. And the cake is a white wedding cake. They return it. And the the uh, the chef, the head baker, just totally goes off. She throws the wedding cake in the kitchen against a window. You see it splattering against the window, uh, to, much to the d- dismay of like everybody who could see this and, and was within earshot. And yeah, I didn't yeah, think a cake could do that. It's actually in the open for the last four seasons. There's a, a part of the video that's shown is her throwing in the montage, the open montage, is her throwing the wedding cake against this glass window, and you see it. You see the 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 frosting or whatever all over the window, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's since it's brittle, there's little bits of cake there, but she just totally demolishes this cake. She's let go immediately, and then actually the elderly manager uh, who ended up retiring, he was trying to scam people through catering uh, in terms of trying to upsell them on stuff they didn't want and overcharging them quite a bit. And he'd pocket the difference. Yep. So the, the owner would see, oh, okay, you, you charged, you know, let's say $300 for catering. In reality, uh, uh, yeah, the owner would see you charge $300, but in actuality, he may have said the catering will cost four hundred dollars, and he'd pocket the other hundred. So yeah, that 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 was a very momentous episode with the cake going being thrown at the window, and just how insistent and how much of a pain in the the, the took us this head baker was. Just I will not do this for you. Well, you know, there's a phrase: the customer's always right. If the customer wants a chocolate wedding cake, give them a chocolate wedding cake. That's all I got about Deli Drama. Yeah, that I didn't know. I still can't believe that cake could go that far. Well, but it was not the whole cake. It was like one layer of the wedding cake. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, Greg? I got, I, got an, I got another episode for you. All right, here we go. Season 8, Episode 9, Memorabilia Mayhem. Oh, not this one. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, this one's a good one. The owner of Rock Island Cafe in Honolulu asks Charles Styles Mystery Diners for help when he notices a drop in his restaurant's memorabilia sales. The Mystery Diners point to big problems with his manager and one of the waitresses running their own 
get rich crooks scheme by bringing in items that they found at home and scamming the customers and buying them. During the confrontation, both the manager and waitress are fired by the owner. His exit interview states that there is no way that the memorabilia can be authenticated. The narrator reveals that the former manager and waitress had found employment elsewhere. The remaining waitress is training hard to become a manager. Now, Mike, let's get into the, my favorite part of this episode. The fake Don Ho autographed ukulele. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Nice. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, one of the waitresses says, oh, well, we just got an item that you'd really probably like. It's a, it's a ukulele that's autographed by Don Ho. We just got it, and it's in the back. Let me go get it. So she goes to the back. She pulls out, like, a $3 ukulele she got at a thrift store and pulls out a Sharpie marker and signs Don Ho on it. And, and, and this is all on camera because, you know, there's cameras everywhere in, 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 in this restaurant. And so she tries selling this customer this fake Don Ho ukulele, which looks cheap as all hell, for, like, $150 or $200. And... Uh, the person that was buying it, I believe, was one of the mystery diners. So yes. it's obviously you had Charles Stiles' mystery diners on the other end saying, don't buy it. It's fake. Don't buy it. It's fake. And so, you know, there's the hemming and hawing. Oh, maybe I should get it. But, you know, maybe you, you can put a hold on it or or save it. I, I may come back later for it. And so, yeah, there was no money being uh, exchanged. And, yeah, that, that person got busted for that. But the other one that I remember from that episode is the toaster. What about the toaster? Oh, there's an antique toaster from, I want to say, the 50s. And it was in really good shape. And there was an appliance collector there, coincidentally. And the toaster, I think, had, like, a price tag of $50 or $60 on it. and But it didn't – and I shouldn't say it had a price tag. That was the price that the store was uh, putting on it. But how much did the the waitress say uh, they wanted for the toaster? I want to say like $75. So, you know, the store got its $50, but then the waitress got the you know $25 on the side. And apparently that, that was one of the scams that was happening. The, that, uh, that, that, that was a good episode. Okay, Yachi, do you have an episode? Uh, I do, actually, and this is what happens when you crap where you eat. It's an episode from season three, episode number six, Friends with Benefits. The husband and wife owners of Nolan's Cafe in New Orleans ask for help getting to the root of why their restaurant isn't thriving. Charles Stiles Mystery Diners and his team discover that the, manage, the manager has staffed the, pl the place with her friends, few of whom are fully qualified as one of the waiters, who happens to be the manager's boyfriend, was incompetent and was shown taking a break instead of working. The matters are made worse when the manager and waiter were shown eating an order that was messed up and being rude to difficult customers. During the confrontation, the manager and the waiter are fired. Charles Stiles' Mystery Diners claims that the bartender that was hired by the manager could be a good employee. While the narrator didn't mention what happened to the former manager and waiter, he did mention that the bartender was offered a full training to be an official bartender, only for her to quit. 
The owner has replaced the former staff with more competent people. And that was Friends with Benefits. Worst Friends with Benefits situation ever. Yeah. Season 7, Episode 13, Daddy's Girl. Joe and Fran, the married owners of Chapino's Sicilian Kitchen in Moore Park, California, hear a customer complaints about the stolen item. Joe's main suspect is McCall, a waiter who's dating their daughter, Brianna, who also works at the restaurant. But Fran is doubtful and notes that McCall is extremely popular with the female patrons. The mystery diners discovered that the real thief is an elderly part-time busboy named Al, who is also drinking on the job. McCall is innocent of criminal wrongdoing, but cameras show him allowing a female diner to kiss him and agreeing to go on a date with mystery diner Shelby after having told Brianna that he had to study for an exam. Joe has a confrontation with McCall and Hal with Brianna present. McCall claims that he and Brianna were not exclusive, while Hal claims that McCall framed him. Joe fires Hal and then fires McCall for being a bad waiter and a quote-unquote scumbag as Brianna breaks up McCall. Brianna tells her parents that they did the right thing, and she's better off being single for a while. The narrator revealed that McCall has been unable to reconcile with Brianna. He and Hal has started working at a supermarket. That's that's great for that supermarket. Yeah, your your new employee is on national TV drinking on the job. Great job, guys. Well, well, my takeaway from that was was Hal. They're showing him on the back patio of the restaurant, and he pulls out a flask, and they say, "Is that a whiskey flask?" Oh, I hope there was no alcohol in it. Okay, last time I checked, I don't think I've ever seen anybody put Kool Aid. Or milk in a flask. It's alcohol. Surprise. Yeah, it's not lemonade or Kool-Aid or or milk or water. It's it's whiskey or or vodka. And and yeah, and and they're like, I I hope that's not alcohol in there. Okay, you just said it's a whiskey flask. Unless whiskey is not alcoholic, you know. Yeah, he's drinking. But also, hell... Was uh, and, and it wasn't mentioned in this for some reason. He was stealing money from people's wallets, and this is another one of those uh, detective snooping around type of things where uh, one of the mystery diners, uh, the the one who uh, who said she was going to go on a date with McCall, she went to Hal's locker, which interestingly enough wasn't locked. Uh, that, that makes no sense. You know, the, the 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 optimal part of the word locker is lock, so you should probably keep one on there. She goes into his um, his lunchbox, and lo and behold, what's in there? There's the missing wallet. Plus, also he did a little scam where while he's bussing the tables, uh, one of the mystery diners left her wallet there. This, this the missing wallet that I'm talking about. She had a twenty dollar bill sticking out of the wallet. And so what did he do when he was busting the table? He accidentally, accidentally, quote unquote, knocked the wallet off the table and he put it in his apron, then put it in his, his lunchbox so he could get the wallet uh, and all of its contents. Hell's a mischievous son of a bitch. I'll just tell you that. Got to watch for those old men. If they don't rip you off by stealing your wallets, they're going to rip you off by overcharging you for catering. Those old men will get you every time. Thank heavens we're never going to be old. We're always going to be 
young stallions. I'm going to do this episode next. This is season nine, episode five, Red Hot Mess. Oh, boy. Sonny and Sage, owners of Red Hot Bus in Alhambra, California, contact Charles Stiles after hearing rumors that their restaurant is open on the one day is supposed to be closed. The mystery diners go undercover and point to big problems with Sonny's brother, Pip, who was recently fired from the business for being useless, running a makeshift Indian restaurant with the manager and head cook that involved imported versions of the restaurant's upcoming special sauce as confirmed by Charles Stiles, Mystery Diner's private investigator, Patrick. When the three are confronted, the owners fire the manager and head cook after complaining that they tried to take away selling the first special sauce in America. They claim in their exit interview that they were fired because of family feud. I feel like we need to call Steve Harvey. Pip and Sonny argue, claiming that their parents don't know what was going on, and Sonny tells them never to return to the restaurant. Pip claims that Sonny bringing the special sauce was like him going back home to England to say that he invented barbecue sauce. The narrator revealed that the former manager and the head cook were unsuccessful at starting their own restaurant. Pip was scolded by his parents and has since apologized to and his brother for his actions. Sonny and Sage are preparing to open up a pop-it-up restaurant with their special sauce. This was totally crazy because, yeah, the, the, the restaurant was closed on Sundays and it didn't mention what type of restaurant this uh, red hot red bus was. It was a British food restaurant. Buses being, you know, uh, something, a double-decker bus in London. That That's sort of what the logo for the restaurant looked like was a double-decker bus. And so his brother and uh, the manager and the head cook opened up on Sundays this secret Indian restaurant in the restaurant itself. They put up all new decor <laughs> for, for just this one day per week. They'd go in on like Saturday night and Sunday morning, change all the decor, you know, put on stereotypical Indian music. They change the menus. They bring in all their food, the Indian food. And they were charging like an exorbitant rate of money. It was, it was a price uh, fixed type of restaurant where there, there was no haggling over the price. You paid like $50 a head or $60 a head or something like that. And you got, I think it was like three or four courses of food. And it, it was just very cheesy the way they did this. But also at the same time, since it was uh, priest, uh, priest fix. They made $60, not made $60, but uh, they generated $60 per person in the restaurant, which turned out to be like $2,400. And yeah, they, they split the profits three ways. And the brother was suspicious. Sonny was suspicious because there were uh, there was food that was missing, supplies that were missing. Actually, it was the spices he noticed. That's what he noticed. Uh, he was questioning, why are my spices so low? Why do I have to keep on buying so many spices? So it wasn't, you know, oh, why am I going through two gallons of milk on Sunday when I'm not here? It was the spices that tipped him off. It was a goofy episode. Sounded like a goofy episode. Okay. 
I got a good one for you guys. Season 4, Episode 8, Lactose Intolerant. The owner of Cheesy's Pub and Grill in Chicago. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. No, not Cheesy's. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> the owner of Cheesy's Pub and Grill in Chicago, Illinois, is concerned about cheating with his grilled cheese eating contest. Too many petite women are among the winners and I the cost of his alcohol it. sales. The mystery diner is point to bigger problems with his waiter, who happens to be his friend, and his cashier cheating to help the female contestants win and giving away free beverages. In spite of his waiter's pleas that it was good for cheesies during the conf confrontation, he and the cashier are fired. The waiter in his exit interview said that his best friend fired him over a grilled cheese contest. The narrator revealed that both former employees have apologized for their actions and have moved on to other jobs. The owner has implemented new rules for his grilled cheese eating contest to discourage cheating on both the customers and staff sport. Now, guys, this was a big thing in the Ralph the Movie Maker video about Charles Styles Mystery Diners, about the Cheesy's Challenge. Why in the world would you call Charles Styles Mystery Diners about a grilled cheese eating competition? Well, because if you remember, and th this sounds quite ludicrous, but actually it isn't, because I'm going to get into the details of the Cheesy's Challenge in a bit, but the the cheesiest challenge had what was it nine winners in two weeks or something like that the, the number nine sticks out is nine winners i don't remember how long if it was in a month long period or a two week period and he's claiming that oh because i've had nine winners in two weeks i could go out of business really for nine cheese sandwiches that's going to force you to go out of business that makes absolutely zero sense why not not have the competition? Well, the, the big thing, uh, and it wasn't mentioned in the blurb you just read, was the payoff for the competition was you got $100, you got a T-shirt. I mean, the usual standard fare you'd get for doing those eating contests. But also, here's where it wasn't really well thought out. An open bar for two hours. Free open bar. And I think it wasn't just free open bar for the winner. It was the winner and a friend, or maybe even a winner and three friends. I'm not a drinker, but I know, again, based on watching Bar Rescue, that ain't cheap. No. No, I mean, the drinks by themselves, I mean, a single drink probably costs in the range of, I'm guessing, six or seven dollars. And you're telling these folks, open bar for two hours? I mean, you could lose... How many hundreds of dollars? 300, 400. Plus, also, that brings up a big liability issue because if you're over serving patrons and they drive home drunk driving, you could end up uh, being liable if something happens. So, it was not well thought out at all. But interestingly enough, <laughs> in the last week or so, I decided, since Greg had mentioned it, I went on, uh, I did a little search on Google for Cheesies to see A, if it was still around, and B, if it was real, and see if they had the Cheesies challenge. The challenge is disgusting in one word. I, I, I say that because 
if you've ever seen Man vs. Food, when he comes to Cleveland, he goes to Melt, and the Melt challenge is a five-pound grilled cheese sandwich with 13 different types of cheese. And I bet you there's probably at least four types of those cheeses that I absolutely hate. Oh, I'm sure there's blue cheese on there, which I absolutely hate. And there's probably some other cheeses that I don't care about. But that just sounds disgusting. What this was, it's a 16-inch, 8-pound grilled cheese sandwich. Takes uh, a 60-minute time limit. It costs $50 to participate. He ate this sandwich, I'm not even joking, in 17 minutes. Wow, he must have been really hungry. And, well, the grilled cheese sandwich, it, it, it wasn't just grilled cheese. There was other stuff on there. I think there were, like, chicken fingers and ham and, uh, and other meats. Okay, forget ham. I'm hungry now. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. And this was a five-layer sandwich. So imagine bread, cheese, bread, cheese, bread, cheese, bread, cheese, bread, with other, I believe there are other fillings in between, and it was 16 inches long. It was like 16 by 8. It is. It was huge, massive. I could only imagine the carb counts for that between the cheese and the bread, but this guy nailed it in 17 minutes, and what he got for uh, his reward... He got a $100 gift card, not even $100 cash, a $100 gift card. He got the T-shirt, and I'm not kidding. This is what it says on their website. Unlimited high fives. Free unlimited high fives. Your picture on the wall, just like a lot of places do, uh, a 10% off slap bracelet. I didn't know slap bracelets were a thing in 2019. And a complimentary grilled cheese of your choice to be enjoyed right after you complete the challenge. Okay, Are you, you kidding me? You just ate eight pounds of grilled cheese. Hey, here's another grilled cheese because you defeated it. What sense does that make? At least they got rid of the, the, the free bar tab for two hours. But now you're giving them a complimentary grilled cheese sandwich because, hey... You just finished off eight pounds of grilled cheese. Here's a ninth pound. I wish I was kidding, but it's right here on the website. Like I said, cheesy's challenge or cheesies.com slash challenges. I got nothing. <laughs> this guy is obviously deranged. But yeah, so so the, the cheesy's challenge. Yeah, they you know found ways to throw away the food while people weren't looking or other employees weren't looking. And, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. This little 98-pound person leveled off this big grilled cheese sandwich in 58 minutes and 55 seconds, you know, right down to the wire. And unsurprisingly, a number of the winners were friends of the bartenders or of, of the waiters, waiters and waitresses, the, the servers. Go figure. Who knew that there would be a scam with their friends so they could drink for free on the side while the boss isn't looking? I'm shocked. I, I see your shocked face. I see your shocked face. This is my flips page over. 
Yeah, shock yeah. face. Yeah, it's you're you're very shocked face. Yeah, line shocked face. <laughs> One for me that oh this was too funny. This was season nine, episode nine. Too many tourists. The owner of Marigny Brasserie in the French Quarter of New Orleans notices an influx of rowdy tourists at his bar for locals after he has recovered from a heart attack. He suspects it is his manager that's involved, but the mystery diners show him it is really his female bartender who is behind the whole scam with her friend Jamie. The owner is nearly arrested by the police for the rowdy tourists in their drunken state. But Charles comes to his aid and tells the police that the drunks are the ones who started this, and, the, uh, and then they're arrested. The owner then confronts both his bartender, who is behind the scheme, and the manager who failed to notice this. The bartender was fired, and her exit interview claimed that she was trying to improve business as she is seen being arrested and taken away, away by the police. The owner will deal with the manager tomorrow. The narrator revealed that the former bartender was not charged for any crime upon her arrest and has found employment at another bar. Jamie was given a restraining order where she is not to come within 50 feet of the restaurant. The manager's position was given to someone else even after it was proven that he was not involved in the scam. The owner's health improved and the rowdy tourists kept their distance from the French Quarter and Marigny Brasserie. So what the scam was, was uh, the bartender's friend was selling bracelets, I think maybe about 50, 100 feet away from the restaurant. Oh, if you go to the, the brasserie with this bracelet, you're going to get a free drink or I think it was a free drink and 10% off or 20% off. So, you know, the people were buying these bracelets. They go to the bar and say, oh, I got one of your special promotional bracelets you know, uh, for my free drink, I'd like to have, uh, you know, whatever, a margarita or whatever. And uh, I'd also like to order this food, blah, 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 blah. And so if the bartender, this female bartender saw it, yeah, she knew that this person was part of the scam or got scammed. But what happened is another bartender uh, was approached by a customer who bought one of these wristbands. And, oh, I've got this wristband for the free drink and for the 10 or 20% off the food. And he said, what promotion? We don't have anything like that. Oh, boy. Oh, the scam's up. But, yeah, as I mentioned in the, uh, the blurb, the owner gets arrested. And Charles comes from his, the secret lair in another room or another storefront and says, no, no, no. He's the owner. He's actually trying to help out. Don't arrest that man. And I'm not even joking. When Charles comes out and does this, one of the police officers says, hey, aren't you from that TV show? <laughs> and what does Charles say? I, I think he just said, yes, I am, or something like that. Oh. But, but he didn't say, are you Charles Stiles? Uh, but he, he, yeah, the police officer's like, you're that guy from that TV show. I would have so said, yes, I'm Charles Stiles, Mr. Diners. But but then, as I mentioned in that blurb, the exit interview with the bartender who is running the scam, you know, she's you know talking to the camera, and you see the police officer in the back. This almost has like an SNL type of feel. You know, something like a parody. 
she's talking to the camera. Well, you know, if it wasn't for those darn kids, I would have gotten away with it or whatever. And the police officer's like, okay, ma'am, we need to go now. He grabs her by the, the cuffs uh, at her wrists and, you know, pushes her to the, uh, the, the paddy wagon or the, or the police car. I mean, th that's like the episode that cemented in my mind, this is as fake as a $3 bill. You're that guy from that TV show. <laughs> Are you really kidding me? So obviously the New Orleans police watched Mystery Diners. You're that guy from the TV show. <laughs> you're that, oh. hey, you're that guy. I mean, the only thing that was missing was the police officer saying, hey, can you autograph my wristband that I got? Oh, out? for the <laughs> love of God, stop. <laughs> Hey, I guys, I got an idea. Hey, Charles, could you autograph this? Charles Styles with Street Diners. <laughs> Stop the pain! Oh my God! Oh my God, that was that that was one of my favorite episodes, just for how fake the whole thing looked, and Charles Styles running from you know, the 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 hidden room. No, you can't arrest that man. He's the owner. <laughs> oh, Greg, do you have another episode? Season 9, episode 12. Train robbery. The owner of Fillmore and Western Railway in Fillmore, California, is concerned about missing supplies and rumors of unauthorized passengers during his train's dinner theater service. While using the caboose as the control room of a cover-up from the owner that is under maintenance, Charles makes use of a remote-operated drone and plants his private investigator, JR, on the train as a passenger. The mystery diners show him that he has a right to be concerned, thanks to an incompetent conductor, a female train manager who has been sneaking her friends in the train past the incompetent conductor, and his head chef secretly stealing his meat to help his brother save his nearby restaurant from foreclosure. During the confrontation, the train manager and head chef are fired and are told to get off his train and walk back to the station with their friends. The narrator revealed that the former train manager has moved away from Fillmore. The former head chef and his brother have apologized for their actions while reparations are underway. The conductor was also terminated and replaced with a more competent one. No kidding. So you're saying that this guy was fired? I'm shocked. Look at how shocked i am well about the meat being taken and given to his brother this is part of the new technology that that mystery diners used they actually put in a gps tracking device in the bag of meat uh, you actually saw uh the, the meat was actually in like a garbage bag and the um the, the person who stole the meat put it in like a bag of laundry or a, a laundry cart so the operative had to go find this laundry cart and then find this bag of meat, open it up, and then throw in a tracking device. <laughs> and you can see Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners, following on his little uh, computer or whatever, his device. Oh, look, here goes the meat. It's going away from the train, and it's going to the, this uh, sort of suburban area. And... Uh, the, the owner of the uh, of the train said, "Oh, that's where you know such and such's brother has a, a restaurant." <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and the conductor like stopped the train every now and then, 
and some of the um, the, uh, the the train manager's friends would hop on the train, and it wasn't like one or two at a time; it was like six. And then, you know, ultimately, how did they get caught? Well, we, we had enough food for everybody on the train. We had you know fifty meals ready. Why did we uh, have to have you know fifty six or sixty people request meals? And so that's when, uh, you know, the, the, the whole scam got figured out from that uh, angle. But, yeah, that was a great episode. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Unless, unless you think that all they do is find the shortcomings of restaurants, here's the first episode in which something good, not bad, is found. It's season six, episode four, Charitable Donations. Uh, Doug, the owner of Pelon's Tex-Mex in Austin, Texas, hears about a staff collecting donations for an unauthorized charity. The Mystery Diners discover that the manager, Anthony, as well as the other staff, plan to give the money they made to a real charity, the one Doug sometimes donates to, which involved male staff members shaving their heads to prove their legitimacy and to have their heads be like Doug's head. During the confrontation, Anthony accepts responsibility for his actions, and he's reprimanded along with the others. The narrator revealed that Doug continued to donate the money to charity, and the staff only focused on their jobs. So, yeah, there are times when there's some good that comes out of this, even if it is kind of, well, strange. It's a strange show. That's putting it nicely. It's a strange show. We're going to cover two more episodes. We're, we're going to save what we think is the best for last. And the one that uh, that Ralph the Movie Maker, the, the one that really put this show on the radar for us that we really, really needed to find and took a lot of work. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, the last episode I want to talk about is Season 8, Episode 11, Hawaiian Club Crashers. The general manager of the Hawaii Yacht Club in Honolulu responds to complaints about non-members at members-only dinner events, which led to some members canceling their memberships. The mystery diners point to bigger problems with two of her wait staff, a waiter named Tony and a waitress named Jordan. They had been sneaking their friends in a members-only event, as well as eating food and drinks meant for guests, and stealing clothing from the club's gift shop. During the confrontation, Tony and Jordan are fired from their jobs. In their exit interview, Tony and Jordan are remorseful for their actions. Their narrator revealed that Tony and Jordan found new employment. The other server and doorman were commended for their loyalty and are training to be assistant managers. That's nice. Yeah, uh, their friends were, let's just say, typical immature 20-somethings. They were just ruining the experience for everybody there. I believe there was a lot of selfie taking. And one of the rules of the club was you can't use your cell phones or take pictures. And maybe it was a rule for employees only. But yeah, they were breaking that rule by taking pictures with their friends and whatnot. But also there was like no security at all at this place. Because you saw some of these friends sneaking through a back gate. You had some of them since it's a yacht club. They actually like paddle boarded or took a or uh, rode a kayak to the the club itself, where there was no you know no gates. They just pulled up their their, their transportation to the shore 
and entered the club and nobody noticed. Who wouldn't notice somebody, you know, riding a kayak from a quarter mile away or so, maybe not even a quarter mile, let's say like, yeah, 500 feet. Oh, there's somebody who's like, you know, coming to the shore. Nobody, no management noticed this. I just found that to be, you know, again, a little too good to be true. But yeah, and then they raided the, the gift shop. They're wearing expensive shirts, uh, for the Yacht Club shirts. And it, it was, it was something. It, it was, again, another badly acted episode, but... Yeah, these uh, just very rowdy 20-somethings just ruin the experience for a lot of people. And It's always the 20-somethings. What's up with that? Kids these days. But the best we saved for last. Greg, do you want the honor of, of giving the, the, the recap? Yes. Season 8, Episode 2. Coaching Profits. The owner of Cooking with Lenny Smokehouse in Chatsworth, California, fears that someone on his staff is using restaurant supplies to operate a competing catering company called the Delicious Dish Catering Company. Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners, is called in to investigate with the help of his consultant, Brooke Williamson, to help on the culprits. While Brooke reports on a waitress named Grace, who has little tolerance toward the customers during their investigation, it is discovered that the manager of Jay and one of the cooks named Carlos was behind the catering project while using the restaurant's recipes. Upon Jay and Carlos claiming it was to help his restaurant out during the confrontation, they are both fired. Jay and Carlos mentioned in their exit interview that they hope Charles Stiles Mystery Diners is proud of himself for causing two innocent employees to be fired. The narrator revealed that Jay and Carlos were unsuccessful at starting their own catering company. Grace was also terminated and has since apologized for her behavior. And now we get into the part that made us be like, oh my god, we need to know more about this show. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get there, the Delicious Dish Catering Company? I bet they're known for their sweaty balls. Ah, gee, I did not want to go there. No! I I just wanted to say... Did they steal that from SNL from 20 years ago? I didn't want to hear about sweaty balls. No. But, yeah, it's like... It was begging to be said, dude. uh, If it was going to be said, and I'm glad you went there and not me. But, yeah, you said sweaty balls. That's what you did. Yeah, the delicious dish catering company. Oh, my gosh. I, I bet you it was owned by somebody who uh, worked a, a, in public radio. Maybe they talked real quiet like this. Maybe they did. It's, it's the delicious dish. <laughs> but yeah, the, the big takeaway from this is a phrase that was really focused on by, by Ralph the Movie Maker. But also it was used in the open for the last four seasons of this show. Three magic words. Release the drone. Yes, the three magic words were release the drone. And you wouldn't believe how long it took for me and Greg to find this episode. We were like manically looking for it. Okay, he's got to say it somewhere in those last four seasons. Where's it at? And finally, oh, I'm guessing within about the last 
month or so, Greg says, I found it. Season 8, Episode 2. And lo and behold, there it is. Release the drone. And that's some of the new technology. But it isn't just the releasing of the drone, right, Greg? Oh, no. No, no, no. What happens is the drone malfunctions. And the and Charles' reaction is like, come on, guys. If that, if that drone goes down, that could compromise the whole thing. And it's going and running around in circles as it's dropping down. And then it crashes. And Charles' reaction is simply, dang it. Dang it. <laughs> now, dang it. again, this, this is part of the unbelievability of this show. A drone that's being used presumably for the first time on a sting, maybe the first time overall. I'm sure they probably you know played around with it, make sure that it worked. It fails within moments of launching. And then it it, it falls out of the sky and lands like right outside the the uh, the job that these folks were catering. So it's like, okay, we got to go get the dra- drone before anybody notices us. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Seriously? And, and then, yeah. And then once it hits the ground. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds that a drone on its first, on its maiden voyage, falters? There's a bad battery, or the wiring's bad, or they lose communication because they're too far away. It, it just it, it seems too good to be true. But yeah. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it indeed. Tell us how you really feel, Charles Styles Mystery Diners. <laughs> I bet you he loved that drone. Well, the drone was used a couple of times after that. Uh, we mentioned the train ro- uh, robbery episode. The drone was used there. Uh, the drone was used in an episode where uh, they were uh, watching over a Meals on Wheels type of company and making sure that you know people were making their appointed rounds and uh, were getting there on time, making sure the food was hot. So the drone did make other appearances in the series. It's just the first time it appeared, it failed. Oh, boy. Or otherwise. But, yeah, if you look up the the Ralph the Movie Maker video on on Mystery Diners, I think he gives more justice to this clip than we do, but that is, like, the phrase that pays with Mystery Diners is release the drone and then... Dang it! Dang it! (laughs) (laughs) And we've been talking about these episodes. I mean, we've gone through probably at least a dozen, I'd say. Maybe even more than a dozen. You can find the episodes. We mentioned that you can find them. They are available on Food Network's website. If you just search for Mystery Diners, it'll pop up there. Or if you get the Food Network Go app and you search Mystery Diners there, don't even have to search Mystery Diners. Search Mystery. There's only one show in Food Network's history which has the word mystery in it. And up will pop up a picture of Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners. Click that. Sign in with your, your cable information. You'll have access to all 11 seasons of shows. It's well worth the time if you have time to kill. This, this is such a bad show. 
Yeah, I, I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to Ralph the Movie Maker because we would have never seen it if it wasn't for his uh, mentioning of it. But also, one of our good friends, Erskine Thompson, mentioned that he used to watch this on a regular basis, and he said the acting was so horrible on this show. And yes, after seeing however many episodes we've seen, you know, I, I know Chico's only seen a few, and I've probably seen in the range of about 50 or so, maybe more, and Greg's seen at least that many, I'd assume. The acting is horrible. I would imagine Greg saw all of them. Well, well, Greg actually spent money on this before he found out you can watch it on the Food Network. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes, I should mention, I spent thirteen ninety nine on Google Play to watch all 13 episodes from Season 8. I actually spent money to watch this show. And you could have watched it for free. Well, the best part of owning a season on Google Play is I don't get indoctrinated with these seven or eight ads at play during every commercial break of Mystery Diners on the Food Network app. And especially since it seems like out of those seven or eight ads, four of them are the same ad for Allstate. It's Mayhem is the Dog or Mayhem is the Mother-in-Law. Okay, we get it. We get it. You're, you're trying to sell... All state insurance on us, whatever. But yeah, uh, I would definitely search this out. My opinion, and I think Greg shares the same, is from season eight on is the best. There's still good episodes from earlier seasons, but the ones that we primarily watched, or at least I did, were seasons like seven through 11. Yeah, that's where the best stuff is. Yeah. And thing is, this doesn't rerun on Food Network anymore. They may not even know they kept these episodes up on their site and their app. <laughs> so it may be one of those things. Enjoy it while you've got it. But yeah. Um, or or we have a we have a phrase around here. Keep circulating the tapes. Or keep the streams going. Well, yeah, keep the streams going because, well, it's available online. You can yeah, watch well, it, no let, let, let Food Network wonder... Why, you know, 50 people are watching uh, Mystery Diners when they haven't shown it for, you know, three or four years. And you know what? They rebooted Good Eats. They're rebooting Food Network Challenge. They can reboot Mystery Diners. It's not outside the possibility of imagination. I mean, come on, Food Network. Let's do this. We need more stilted acting. How Dare you suggest they reboot this thing? <laughs> Why not? Why? I, mean, I would I would watch every episode if they rebooted it. I'd have the DVR going. I'd be like, yes, give me all the Charles Styles Mystery Diners I need. I really don't think this is high on the list of, of things that are going to be rebooted at Food Network. You know, maybe they'll give Emerald another show... Or you mentioned Good Eats. Maybe they'll do Man vs. Food since that's sort of shifted from travel to cooking channel. Maybe they'll put it on the main channel, the big channel being Food Network. Who knows? Maybe they'll redo Iron Chef. Gosh knows they've done that a couple of times. I really don't see them rebooting Mystery Diners for heaven's sakes. Why Stranger not? things have happened, though. What, what can I say except, yeah, it was a they got TV. Merry Christmas, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> it, 
and, and guys, if you think we 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 made your Christmas very special, just wait until we make your New Year's very special. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, next week, we're only doing one episode because, honestly, we think we can probably get about an hour and a half to two hours out of that episode. Uh, it, it's a New Year's themed episode. It is not making fun of Dick Clark after his stroke. That's no, that's that's no, too mean. That's that's, that's no. out of the question. It's out of yeah, the question. yeah. There's no way we'd make fun of that. There's stuff that we could make fun of over the last five or ten years, like Jenny McCarthy kissing like everybody on uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Eve, and giving him measles. And, and, and exactly because she's not vaccinated or, or her kids aren't exactly. But we have a very special episode next week, which is, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, I've talked about how I've lasted five minutes through some of these episodes. This episode, I purposely jumped towards the end of to see how it ended. And, oh my gosh. I I, I was, I don't want to say I was offended by what happened, but... Yeah, I landed on a place which sort of put this right at like the the top of the list of things we need to cover because what I landed on was so bad. We'll get to that next week. It's going to be a great show. But yeah, just the one episode next week, and then we'll go back to two episodes starting the week after. As always, please, we're on social media. We're on the internet. We got an email address. You can find everything related to our podcast at www.itwasathingontv.com. You can search for us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on any place that you, uh, you can listen to podcasts, it seems. And as always, yeah, please spread the word about us. We'd love for more people to listen to us. And we've been getting some good feedback about uh, some of the shows we've done in the past. Keep it coming. We really appreciate it. We do. Well, for Chico and for Greg, I'm Mike. This has been an amazing episode. I know it's been really long. Maybe it went a little longer than you'd expect. So, again, for the guys, thank you very much. Please have a very Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate that holiday, have a very festive Hanukkah, a great Kwanzaa, or whatever holiday you celebrate. Please and have in case enjoy I did, And I didn't say this last time, but happy life day. Oh, jeez. Happy life day. Oh, may, may, may you be blessed with a hologram while you get a VR boner. <laughs> oh, God! Oh! <sighs> Well, I'm not joking. That's what happened with Chewbacca's dad. We're done. Bye. <laughs> Charles Styles, Mystery Diners.
How Charles are you? Styles, Mystery Diners. Charles. Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. 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 How are you? Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. Charles. Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. 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 Charles Styles, Mystery Diners.